What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Garage Strength Podcast, where we help you become a master of sport. I'm here with my three-time co-author of the year, world champion, Earl Kunkel. Earl, your arms look a little bigger. I told you why. See? Because I got to wait. I can do pull-ups oh, with weight now. because you were taking creatine, finally. That probably helped, too. You wanted the brain health. Yeah. Well, I used to take creatine all the time, and then I was just like, I should stop taking this, and I stopped taking it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's exactly and then, what I do. <laughs> and then I was like, and I stopped taking it for years, yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm going to take it again. I'm like, I should start taking this again. Yeah. And the crazy, completely anecdotal, but immediately everything felt faster <laughs> like lifting weights it nothing like it just everything stopped feeling like i was trying to grind through it yeah. maybe and it's not like i'm going any heavier it just felt yeah like, you just feel more pop yeah and i uh the one thing i noticed too i'll do stair jumps like on just up to my porch and so i can get like two jumps yeah but before i was doing creatine i could do three because i couldn't yeah. like it felt hard like but on now you one, get an extra step. on one leg to like do that extra step and now it's like maybe i should stretch and see if i can do it in one jump like yeah. like is in my like it feels like you could do it again dude what's funny is that we have we have five steps to the porch mm -hmm. and i always think about like for my life i will use it as a gauge of where i'm at physically because i can run and i can run and i can jump all the way to the top if, uh -huh. I'm, if i've got good pace most of the time i'm just jumping to that second step and I always will I'll say this to Caitlin sometimes like, what's it gonna be like when I can only jump like two steps? Like what am I gonna feel like? Always like, remember age is a gift. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You know. That's good. For for everything you lose, there's other things that you you're gain gaining. with it. Yeah, that is accurate. That's very accurate, dude. Yeah. You know shit. I didn't even think about that. I'm not a big fan of like burning the candle out at both ends. Like Yeah, that's true. Maybe at a moment in life you were like, Let me see how hard I could but like there's, as you get older you're like no nope. there's value there's yeah. more experience yeah that you can get um, absolutely anyway no one wants to hear about this they want to talk about <laughs> strength and conditioning yeah and let's lift go. and weights uh, let's go let's talk about uh running mechanics and speed technique and how it makes you faster today. like running a 10 minute mile <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anyone's like that's fast <laughs> yeah no Maybe. offense to those that run a 10 yeah minute like mile. you dane no offense to you <laughs> It's like, uh, is that video out yet? The one about the uh, the army strength training. That's out. Yeah, that's out. And you talk about how easy the deadlift is and how yeah. it's a joke. And the, you get to the running, you're like, oh, th this is tough. This is a good number. Yeah, and you're like, and I, I, I said to you, I was like, Dane, I was like, imagine being the person who's like, this run is a joke. Yeah, like it's easy and yeah. thinking about the deadlift. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. My empathy was lacking in that moment. All right, listen to this hypothetical. Imagine this. Okay. Uh, you train, and you can jump onto a 50-inch box. You can explode off either single leg and grab rim, so either off your left or right. You single leg squat near 143 kilos, and for everyone out, the people that haven't grown up yet, 315 pounds. <laughs> you back squat over 400 pounds. Athlete day is your jam. You enjoy athlete day. You can even bang out multiple Nordic curl reps. And then you go and you line up on the starting line, 100-meter sprint, 200-meter sprint, or probably most people listen 40-yard dash, maybe even a 60-yard dash. You line up, you run. You run fast, but when the clock clocks your time, you're disappointed. 
Your 40 time is a 4.8. Your 100 is over 13 seconds. Ooh, that's slow. Yeah. And you, you just aren't fast enough. Okay. All right. Tell me why technique matters now. Technique matters because you're you're looking at, like, dude, when you just laid out, this person's clearly strong, clearly explosive, but I just see someone running down the running down the track, flailing side to side, almost almost crossing themselves up with their with their footwork. So like a right leg plants here, then the left leg planting here, and then like they're happens, almost doing like a karaoke drill down. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. And then you start you'll start to sway side to side, and then you're you're wasting a lot of energy. You're adding strides to your actual sprint and i i just read two research papers on this so i feel like i'm a all I'm right a, i'm an expert in this um I'm, I'm just kidding about that but is is the the research around wobble and basically like can you define wobble first it's <laughs> dude it's a scientific I see, I, term I, I meant that seriously it's a too. scientific term and it's essentially like how much uh, mass like like non-lean mass so like fat mass bone structure moving in specific joints can have an impact on locomotion so like if you are if you're running how much does like belly wobble or or even torso wobble what side to side like thick glutes and like you got that like shelf and it well they bounces would, a lot they would research that and say like what is this wobble from left side to right side does that have an is it an impediment on mechanics so does wobble only go like like xx no you could go or it's x y and z yeah, all like, over so it can wobble any yeah way you want right and so they essentially are like all right what does this do um but they can see people who are leaner will have less wobble and their mechanics are going to be a little bit more effective. And so, so there's me, an argument to be made that having less body fat is actually more productive to being fast than yes. If you're a wobblist in life in general, 100%, no matter what. So being like 10% or less body fat is actually good for from, speed for speed. Yeah. I would argue 12 to 10% would be where you want to be. I mean, the the best in the world are going to be leaner than that, but I think for realistic so achievement. So if you want to get your 10-minute mile down to a 9-minute mile, yeah, you can lose you you got to lose some of your wobble. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Well, that so going back to your original question <laughs> is I often think, you know, cuz my biceps are so big. I mean, just look at But how they don't mess. wobble though, do no, they? No, they they would wobble because they're not the actual joint. So if this like if I'm running and this can potentially lead to a centimeter or two centimeters movement of my right extremity off off kilter or whatever, now all of a sudden that's adding in some use of energy that over a long period of time, 100 meters or a mile, would lead to a large amount of energy usage that you otherwise aren't doing. And that's where technique even matters is that if I'm running 100 meters or a 200 meters or a 400 meter sprint, if I'm slightly off base, especially in that first 100 or the first 10 or the first 25% of the race, that's going to lead to a massive amount of energy expenditure later on. That's going to really hurt my time. Okay. So my brain is going a lot of different places. You're just I'm still stuck on wobbles, a scientific term. No, I like that. No, yeah. I'm, I'm sold on that. Good marketing and branding. Whoever was the wobblest out there, like, I want to shake your hand or at least give you a high five or a dap or something. Um, but I'm thinking of wobble and to be fast. And my first thought was to a football player who 
in certain positions are larger individuals. Mm -hmm. Does that wobble then because they carry around that extra mass to be like 220, 230? Like how does that impact then their energy expenditure throughout the game? How does that impact their speed? And I may be a little off topic Well, that's, that's just where you would analyze. In this case, you know, we're not talking about speed. We're talking about the wobble mechanics. <laughs> uh, you, would, you would analyze the benefit to the extra mass versus the potential degradation of speed. Okay. So let's say that you're losing you know, 1% speed weighing 230 versus weighing 215, but you're going to hit much harder with that extra Your 15. power goes up, essentially. Yeah, drastically right? so. So it's like... You there's a give and take for that, you know, that mechanical aspect. And as long as they still have proficient running technique, they should be perfectly fine. And in reality, if they have more muscle mass, they're still largely going to be producing more force, too. And then my second thought in that same vein was like, where does that ideal spot lie within like a sprinter? Like, where do they want? Like, I need more muscle on my quads and hamstrings, but how and glutes. But how does this add to my wobble? That's a good question. I, I think I think that's a case of most sprinters. Let, let's use men's 100 meters and 200 meters as an example. They're going to look at it and say, if they can clean 125 kilos to 140 kilos, somewhere in there. I've seen videos of Noah Lyles hitting like a 300-pound clean. Does he power clean it? Yeah, power clean. And I've seen videos of, of some of the best female sprinters power cleaning 100, you know, so like 60 kilos to 70 kilos, like for really easy reps. I would argue they probably have just these basic metrics of like if, if you're a woman and you're a sprinter in the offseason, if you can clean 80 to 85 kilos, you have enough power output. And if you're a, a male sprinter, that's going to be a little bit higher, 125 to 135 kilos, some, something like that. And then after that you're not you're going to try to avoid like more mechanical tension because that's what's going to lead to the okay. more hypertrophic gains and then you're going to start to focus on just dialing in the, the the nervous system and then the neural intelligence really and that's where like the plyometrics the reflexive work is going to come into play and and like gaining pound for pound strength so intramuscular coordination intramuscular coordination too all right i'm gonna switch gears a little bit and go away from the wobble Okay. I don't think you ever talked about this. No, this is just recently. You just read the two, and it was like wobble, and yeah. I was like it's sniper rifle. I was just like, boom, <laughs> yeah. we're going after the wobble. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to go home and look on PubMed and just type in wobble. Wobble yeah. and see what comes wobble up. Wobble and walking. Well, some of it, one of the papers was around uh, holding a cell phone and how that changes your locomotion pattern. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and then the other one was around like. Um, is it based off like your neck craning too to like look at yeah, it? Yeah, like, how it just changes and and how you're 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 holding something here, but the other one was around um, fat mass. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I'm just intrigued. I, it's like, hey, I, I want to come up with a word for a jiggling butt. I'm using wobble now. Yeah, that's I'm actually it science. You guys, if you if you want us to dive deeper into the wobble stuff. Comment down below, and we'll do something on a, on a paper. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah. what you do with the live stuff, right? Yeah. Like with the papers. Yeah, but we could do coaches. it on this, too. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. Give me some reading material. Yeah. There we go. Um, so you're going right. to take us back on track? Yeah, we were talking about speed and we're technical stop mechanics. stop wobbling off track. Wobble was on track. It just, <laughs> you know, it wobbled away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
But we're talking about sprint mechanics, speed mechanics, how to be faster based off technique. Let's hone in on the lower body first right now with those mechanics and around like knees, hips, quads, hamstrings, joints, and your feet. And like how to be technically correct and how to be technically correct at different parts of being fast. So open skill sports, right? We're more drive and acceleration phase based. Stop and start, decelerating. Where if we're actually closed skill, we're sprinting, maximal mechanics plays a larger part. Not saying the other parts don't. And the longer the sprint gets, the more, the more maximal mechanics come into play. So Right. And let's just hone in lower body, not even worry about the torso right so now. So knees, ankles, hips out of the blocks through 15 to 20 meters, you're looking at a steep shin angle, okay? So a fairly large amount of dorsiflexion on grounding into plantar flexion, a large amount of knee flexion that then leads to a long period of ground contact, uh, which is going to lead to knee extension, uh, knee extension uh, after that period of ground contact. And so I think it's important to think through like the basis of acceleration is longer ground, ground contact period to get to get the mass moving forward. So that longer ground contact, then as you get through two, three, four, five steps, the ground contact period starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter be and then you start to rise we get from like more a sustained to a blast or yeah. do we i would argue that it's more still, like a nano difference within the blast yeah i would i would say it's like a faster blast later yeah like the nanosecond the nano blast is going to be as you get through like 20 to 40 or Almost 50 sounds like banana blast banana blast yes yeah, like <laughs> an ice cream flavor <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like looking at that that drive phase and acceleration is going to be longer ground contact, dorsiflexion into plantar flexion, which will will actually continue throughout the sprint. But then hard knee flexion to drive the knee up um, and to get hip hip flexion, and then long knee extension and hip extension to continuously drive. And then as you would get down the track through the sprint, that's when. Uh, you'll be you'll still be flexed when you're grounding, but not as flexed as you are during acceleration. All right, three questions. With the feet, when you start, if your ground contact is longer, and I'm thinking from a weightlifter standpoint, do we want more of the foot on the ground to put more force into the ground, or do we want a certain part of our foot or a certain angle of our foot in contact there. i would say think about it as like midfoot grounding but more towards the front of your foot in the early phases but still midfoot grounding so like uh what's his name aramal did i say yeah his yeah, name yeah, right? yeah, where, yeah where like, yep yeah when you're on the oh mid-foot. my goodness i think i just created a variation for sprinters it could well dude i've been screwing around with this i was calling it a runner deadlift where i was running or i was doing heels elevated knee bent very slight knee bent deadlift and just keeping my heels elevated slightly almost like when you do a hack squat yeah. type of thing yeah yeah, yeah yeah would you put a like I was an implement to, under or just hold it? i was trying to hold it so okay. that my ankle was super stiff and my knees stayed slightly flexed and I, and I think going to your question it's like you want to think midfoot grounding almost the entire sprint but in the early phase you're going to be more towards the front of your foot 
And then as you start to get through the sprint, it'll be more midfoot and you don't want your heel striking, but it will, you know, a triple jumper literally wants a flat foot landing, a sprinter at top end speed. It's going to be very much like think midfoot grounding at top speed. The heel will be very slightly elevated. Okay. Um, but coming out of the blocks, that's not going to happen. When we're running knee drive yep. and sort of leg back too. Yep. I don't know the technical terms, but I can like envision it. Where is like sort of our ideal where we want to be? And I'm sure it matters too based off like body mechanics as well. Yeah, and how mobile they are in their hips and stuff. But I think think about it when you're coming out of the blocks, like driving the knee to the chest almost is how you're thinking because you're projecting yourself forward. You're thinking forward, and then as you and and you want to have that plant, the the leg plant below your hip, as you continuously project forward, and then as your chest will rise, that knee flexion, uh, or the the hip flexion, will go from because your torso is more upright later on. Now that that knee flexion or the or the hip flexion will be about ninety degrees at your hip. And then you're almost like reaching and, and getting to the ground with that midfoot grounding. Um, and then that long, that long extension, some, you know, they'll, they'll call it front side mechanics, backside mechanics. Um, some people will look at where, where are the knees passing together relative to the grounding period? Cause you can see if somebody's uh, cycling a little bit slower. Um, but in all reality, it's like, it's looking at, because the torso angle changes, the trunk angle changes, the hip flexion is not as steep, but the knee flexion is still there. Okay. As you're cycling through on the front Would side Would you mechanics. consider the torso angle like the lever if you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. how it changes that up? Yeah. From... And I think that... I think you're starting to see, like, it used to be like you try to get to 90 degrees at the top end, like when you're running at like 70, 80, 90 meters. But I think, I think people are, are no longer like steadfast on that it's more like uh where the knee is 90 degrees it's more like all right that front side mechanic could be between 75 and 85 degrees it doesn't need to be as high of a knee drive um later on in the race as previously thought you want to go into upper body i think the big thing with with upper body is like trunk arms yeah it's more yeah it's like staying as elastic as possible. I don't like the term rigid because I think you, you think about like being s- too stiff. Yeah. Even though the stiff is actually the word that they'll use for ankle, uh, ankle grounding stiff is the opposite of wobble. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And like stiff meaning like it's, it's structurally sound, but I think the term elastic, it reminds me of like a, like I always use this as a kangaroo. Like you think about a kangaroo, that's what you think about. That's what you want. And, and to me, that's also what you want with your upper body. You want your upper body so that when your left's grounding here, you know, you can, you're going to lean a little bit into that side and it's going to lean side to side, but you, you don't want to pronounce it too much, but you also don't want to try to avoid it at all costs. It's going to happen. So there's like a permutation. Yeah. Back and forth. And that actually can create more energy, which is going to help you run faster. Um, I think the arm sweeps interesting. This is another discussion going on right now in sprinting. Is like, no cheek to cheek. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> it's like that. Is that is that as necessary as we originally thought? It's like, you know, there's a decent amount of research on para athletes that don't have arms that are extraordinarily fast. 
and there's almost there's like a negligible decrement in their in their proposed speed if they're running with with their their uh, prosthetics. Um, now that could also be because they've adapted really well to not having arms, right? Like they've they've lived their life this way, so their body has adapted well. So there's yeah, a- but it, within that adaptation, just because you have arms doesn't mean you can't make the same adaptation, right? Correct. Yeah, and if you can make that adaptation and it can benefit you as an athlete sprinting, why wouldn't you? try to obtain that yeah yeah so that so this is where it's like and and it, there's there's a sprinter she just graduated last year she went to kentucky and she's known for having this crazy wide arm sweep but then she brings her elbow in and drives it forward and i think that what we're starting to see is is that and I'm trying to say this without, cause I'm going to get a lot of flack is that as long as you're almost bringing that back in and going forward with it f- on the back sweep yeah. and, and you're, you're timing this with that slight trunk lean on the, on the opposing leg, that it's not as detrimental as previously believed. It's more specific to the individual's anatomy. And, and it I, sounds like there's a rhythmic component to it. Yes. As I well, think it's extremely rhythmic. where it's more, and, I think this is the right word. Like Abby Steiner's her name, by the there's way. There's a staccato to it. Like yeah. it lines up with it, it or it flows with it. Maybe I'm wrong with that, but like they work in tandem. Yes, yeah, and I and I think what what it comes down to is like if we can create a structured confine of like okay, these things have to jive rhythmically. These are the the basic blueprints to work towards. You know, you, you actually watch Shelly Ann Fraser Price or Majinga Kambungi or or Noah Lyles. Noah Lyles is has is known for being a having phenomenal technique as far as the orthodox uh, technique is concerned. His coach is Ralph Mann, like probably the best biomechanist for for researching sprint mechanics. And I think it's like looking at someone like Lyles as like, this is where you can get to, but there's a wider spectrum than we originally thought that you can veer off of that spectrum, not taking anything away from Noah Lyles because he's phenomenal, but then looking at it like, okay, we can go a little bit further outside of this. As long as the rhythm's on, as long as they're dynamic with their trunk, as long as they're mobile, as long as they're not getting hurt. That's another thing. If they're getting hurt with specific issues, well, then you can look at the mechanics and say, well, this is going wrong with their mechanics. So we need to make sure we fix this in their techniques. So they're not getting hurt. You know, you see somebody come out of the blocks too steep. They're going to blow out their hamstring. Well, try to fix their, their degree when they're coming out of the blocks and that won't happen anymore. Since we were talking about the torso and you brought up this idea of like the permutation, like to leg to leg, how do you train that from like in the gym versus actually on the track? Like what's an exercise someone could do? From like a dynamic trunk control specific to to that, I would yeah. say I would say doing like um, mini hurdle hops, um, single leg a contrast program where you would do like single leg squats rhythmically, like unbroken, a skater squat, and then you would go into a mini hurdle hop where you could go left leg, right leg, left leg, right leg, and you you have it sequenced. You can because if you have targets that you have to hit, that helps you establish that rhythm if you're lacking it uh single leg bounds uh just one leg at a time i even like single leg stair jumps because it forces you to find that rhythm uh but i think doing those advanced type of jump series can help establish that i also think dude i've talked about this with jason uh filming 
skipping is like the absolute best way to one, as I'm getting older, realizing like I have to think more about it. But two, younger athletes, skips do phenomenal. They work wonders with attaining some type of speed reaction. I still remember when you went down and worked out with Phil Derue and he had you doing that one that foot That one thing. skip. Dude. And you it just was struggled. You were the struggle bus the whole time. <laughs> it, it was, you should have like. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you brought it up how skipping is like becoming more difficult for you. And I was like, <laughs> hey, everyone, here's a concrete example. Go, Go back and watch this video. Dane struggle with skipping. Type in Dane or garage strength fill the roof. That may have been the moment, too, where you realized you needed more cardio in your life, too. <laughs> when I was on the bike? Yeah. He's like, dude, the first, the first one I did, it was like. I want to say I hit like 120 plus RPMs. He's like, dude, that was like the most RPMs I've ever seen on the bike. And then you were down at like 75. Yeah, <laughs> you were like, you literally like your fall off it was, was cataclysmic. Yes. Yep. You, you were literally working at 10% of your capacity. <laughs> Although like, what I had previously established just yeah. two minutes earlier. Just death. Yeah, that was bad. Man. You might be right about that. All right. You uh, ready for some uh, overrated, underrated? Yeah, let's go. Overrated, underrated. Sprinter glute ham. Underrated. Underrated because no one does it, and two, because... Do people even know it exists? I, I think that's the other thing. So I think that's the detriment of a machine like the GHD. Is like, dude, you, do you realize? I didn't realize what the D was for until our last podcast when you were saying glute ham developer. I was like, oh, my God. Am I right, though? Is that what it's for? I, I, I'm pretty sure. I uh, would just call it the GHD. And then I realized, like, did you know that, Jason? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm not as dumb as I thought it was. <laughs> I don't even know if it's right. but I, yeah. <laughs> It's meant to develop your glutes and your hamstrings. Yeah. Right? So I, I did want to point that out. Um, <laughs> but the sprinter. To, but to, you know about wobble, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing the the thing that sucks with an extra or a machine like the GHD is people just see like a back extension, basically. And they're like, all right, let's just do that. Yeah. But you go into a GHD and you start playing around with the positions that you can hold. And then you go in and you do a single leg. And I, I've been lately going single leg in and my top leg on goes on top. And I try and like push harder into the plate with my other leg. And that's where it's like, it's an interesting, that can almost create a, a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, but I think doing like the sink, the, the sprinter glute ham is dude, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's great for sprinting bonus will you do those weighted i would do them weighted yeah now okay. i would do it weighted with weight in my opposite arm to what is in the ghd not on the back i think you would twist too much okay yeah so if you're right leg in hold with the left, left arm yep got it man all right i think jason was just looking up if it <laughs> oh wow you're welcome <laughs> Hack squats. Man, you're thinking long and hard about this one. Oh, I, I, I have a bias because I hate them. So I was going to say they're overrated. Oh, my goodness. I totally disagree with you on this you one. Correct. That's so that's why I, your quads are so small. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I'm going back and forth. Like, I want to overrate them because they're horrible. But I want to underrate them because they're horrible and people avoid them. And also, people avoid them because they're on a machine. 
So that's now. I wasn't thinking of the machine hack what were you squat. Thinking about the, I was thinking of the one where you like deadlift with the barbell behind, oh, with your heels elevated. That was yo, the one I was thinking underrated. Of. Yeah, I yeah. Call, I call that the hack lift. Oh, you underrated hack lift. My bad. Underrated, I, dude. That lift blows your quads. Blows off. them up like immediately. It's it's within like seven reps. You're it's like, like a quarter squat yeah. of a, what they call like a sissy squat, and yep. your quads are just decimated yeah and that's where dorsiflexion comes into play actually people who have really weak quads and, and you can see like on the drive phase that they struggle i would throw them at earlier in like exposure phase very nice very yeah. quick quick question what if your butt's too big you just have to push your hips more forward to load your quads using like someone like dj that's what i would do that was a very common question from a lot of people on that video. I would say shoot your hips more forward. Yeah, you got to drive the knees forward to yeah. like yeah. do it and just, oh, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. 100%. All right. Overrated, underrated. Clean grip RDLs. Overrated because you should be doing snatch grip RDLs. I, was, I, I knew it. I knew it. The only argument I would Set make. you up. Yeah, the only argument I would make is that the load can be heavier, more substantial. Um, but I still feel like the goal of an RDL should be achieved with that snatch grip and the goal of improving your clean pull can happen with a clean deadlift or a clean pull. Yeah. So that would be my argument. I, I knew it. Cause I'm you still, never still, program clean grip RDLs. You yeah. Were, it was always snatch grip. Always. With that being said, I still think the clean RDL is a fine lift, but, but it's overrated. It's overrated because you should just do snatch grip. RDL. All right. Either or, Dane. Oh, geez. Because people like commenting on your hip-hop t-shirts. Okay. I don't think you have either one of these in a hip-hop t-shirt. You may have one of them. Well, I didn't have the last two that you asked either. Yeah. Well, they're newer. Yeah. They're only like a decade old. Yeah. Odd future wolf gang kill them all type of thing. Right. Um, Deltron 3030. I have a Deltron shirt. That's the one I thought you had the yeah. shirt of. I have two Deltron shirts. Or Dr. Octagonologist. Deltron, dude. Deltron. 30, oh my goodness, 30. dude. The oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. He's you got, should be embarrassed. He's got freaking now. Blue flowers is that's was, a, yeah. Blue flowers. I was moose probably was, dude. That might have right? been the biggest or is it moose pimples. I forget. That might have been correct the, to me. That might have been the biggest indie hip hop song of like the early two thousands. Blue flowers. Honestly, like the most popular and from and from Doctor Octagon. Who, when I hitchhiked across Canada into Spokane, was playing in Spokane the night. Did you go I, see him? I couldn't get tickets. And I even sat outside, like, begging people to get it. But oh there was, it was like a small show. Um, cool, Keith. Is so, I can't believe you said Deltron 3030. The, the reason being is Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Deltron 3030. Like, that concept album, too, by the way, is... It's like six banger songs on it that are unfreaking real. But then also looking at like uh, just Dell and in general and him, I just I really catch a bad one is like one of my favorite hip hop songs of all time. So I, I have to. All right, I disagree with you. You know what's funny? Somebody came up to me once at um in an airport, and I was wearing my Dell the Funky Homo Sapien shirt, and they were like, "I know who that is because he was on the Tony Hawk." Tony Hawk soundtrack in like <laughs> 2007 or something. 
Yeah, yeah 2002. Tony like, Hawk's oh, responsible wow. for a lot of that stuff. Madden was responsible. Uh, most Def's first solo or uh, mathematics was on a Madden like 99 or 2000. I think DJ Premier did that. Okay. The production on that one, yeah. too. So, yeah, I, I did also going back to both these guys are. Oh, you gave me an either or for next time. But I really, really like Deltron. All right. Um, sorry. Sorry, Earl. It's all right. a bad one. Listen to that on, on the way home. Remix. I'll think about it. Come on. I, my middle child has started listening to CDs. Dude, I wanted to tell that. First of all, that's hilarious. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Lincoln had asked me about like CDs and the records and stuff. But I, I wanted, sorry, to not ask you more questions about your daughter listening to CDs. Don't. I just wanted to throw it out there real quick. I wanted to share that Lincoln so Lincoln knows that I have this I this vision that I want to like go to a track meet where holding like a boom box and like walk into the track meet like yo we're here and like we're playing like I mentioned I said I'm playing like a Kodak Black song. So yesterday I got I got home and he's like dad downloaded the 49ers uh walkout playlist so i've shown him videos of the 49ers only because they have this cool walkout theme that they do and he downloaded their whole playlist that's available on spotify i guess i wanted and it's all very nice like taman was like dude lincoln was in here like banging to some like crazy songs that you would have no idea that he knows (laughs) that's awesome yeah all right we got to do the audience questions okay discord Join our Discord yeah, and subreddit too. 100%. I'm pretty active on the Discord. I will go in and actually answer questions every now and then. Yeah. Get that done, Earl. Yeah. yeah. When they tag me, I feel like obligated. Don't tag me now. <laughs> no, go ahead. Whatever. Uh, hey, Dane. The name is redacted on this one. It says name redacted. I've been progressing my clean and snatch for the past few months. My clean has gone up 50 pounds. I can do a little under 200 pounds, which is 20 above my body weight. But my question is, on average, how long does it take to add another 50-plus pounds to the clean? I know there's a law of diminishing returns, but how and when does it specifically start to kick in? Thanks. He who shouldn't shall not be named Baltimore over here. So he wants to add – he wants to clean 250. It sounds like that. He's at 200. First, I would and say – nervous about, like, gains, like, starting to subside. No, I would say increase your front squat more, front squat more. Make sure your pull technique solid. So when you're in Discord, post your pulling technique to make sure that we're on point with that, uh, that we can help you with that that pulling mechanics. Uh, but dude, up to like 120, 130 kilos, I think you can blow up your clean pretty quick. As long as you're increasing your max strength too with the back squat and the front squat, clean two to three days a week and you'll be good. Yeah, dude, I had a guy hit me up who I did a consult with. And when I did a consult with him, he cleaned 215, and he just sent me a video. He's cleaning 345, and he's, dude, he's huge, like traps to his earballs, freaking just smashing freaking weights. And he loops it a little bit, but it, he's moving like well. He's like, I did all the mobility stuff he told me to do, and he's just stroking it. It was. Nice. I was like, yo, that was that was like nine months. That's ago. twice today. You made jokes about um, the early one when we were in the meeting. When you use the word stiff, and now uh, you just use the word stroke. And I resisted both times. <laughs> Good job, bro. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks. All right. Pat on the back. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, uh, I had go. the mobility to do it, unlike <laughs> you. I don't, uh, uh, you did it. <laughs> All right. This one's from Reddit. Hot Principle 7565. What are some good shoes you recommend for athletes with wider feet to use for running and athletic training? Asics. 
Asics. All right, cool. Or Ultra. Asics or Ultra. I think I have Ultra, right? I have Ultras, yeah. No, these aren't Ultras. These are re- But my I, I film in the Asics, and they're, I have very wide feet, and then I run in those Ultras, and they're great. I've never had foot cramps. Uh, any other shoe, I get foot cramps. You have starchy feet. For sure. I have like golem feet. Yeah. yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. bad. <laughs> You're a hobbit. Yeah. Well, they're they're size twelve and they're what is it, double E or something? Whoa. Dude, they're so wide. Yeah. And if you look at my heel, the my heel, I swear my heel is bigger than most people's heels. Like it's like it's like my the the bridge of my foot is as wide my heel is as wide as that. It's just, feet it's just like this block. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but then I have like a normal arch. So. All right. We got to That's all. That's all right. All we yeah. Got. Head over to peakstrength.app, the Google Play Store, the Apple iOS Store. You can download our app, Peak Strength, to help you begin your journey to attain peak strength. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Peace. Later.